Let's take out our Bibles, and uh, we're going to be pausing our series in the book of Acts this morning. Instead, we're going to be heading to John's Gospel, although we could really probably stay in Acts because there's so many references to the resurrection. That was something that was front and center in the apostles' preaching and proclaiming of the Gospel. They always included the, the whole Gospel, that Jesus Christ died, but that God raised him up, that he was raised from the dead. So... They went to great lengths to ensure that Christ's resurrection was at the forefront of their preaching. But we're going to be in John 20 this morning. And uh, who enjoyed the extra hour of sleep last night? Yeah, a few of us did. That's good. Well, I, I recognize that it's, it's an hour later than we're used to, so it's usually morning tea time. So I thought maybe, given that it's Easter Sunday, I could just give away a little bit of sustenance for the sermon. You've got your Bible? Hold it. Who wants one? Does anyone, anyone keen for some? There we go. There you go, Tony. Right up the back there. Sorry, I don't want to hit anyone. Oh, sorry. We want to have any? Happy Easter over there as well. Oh, that's terrible. Haven't played sport for a while. Haven't played. Yep, there we go. Someone in the middle there. Welcome to you this morning. All right. There we go. John chapter 20. And you know, obviously we're here to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And as we read through the gospel accounts that some of the most marvelous and hope-filled words for us as believers are found in at least three of the Gospels in their accounts. It says that as they're at the empty tomb, there's that proclamation that He is not here, He is risen. We love and we serve and we worship a living Savior, a living God. And of course, Easter is a, a special and significant time. It's an opportunity to reflect upon the cross, remember all that Jesus has done for us. It's a significant day of celebration for us as followers of Jesus. And of course, on Friday we have the focus of the cross, the work that Jesus accomplished for us there. And then this morning, the resurrection, that he overcame the grave, that he conquered sin and death and is alive forevermore. But this, this focus on the cross and the resurrection is far too wonderful far too joyous, far too significant for us to only have at the forefront of our hearts and minds at Easter time only. We should live our lives each and every day as if it's Resurrection Sunday. Because there are things that we focus on and emphasize perhaps on this day that perhaps at other times in the midst of the day-to-day, -day, the mundane nature of life at times, it can be easy to overlook or forget as we focus on and celebrate the resurrection, this life that we have in Jesus, this hope that we have in Him, the fact that He has won victory over sin and death, the power of God at work, you know, all those things that are good to remind ourselves of this day, but that we would do well to live each and every day with that as our focus and as our perspective. So instead of Resurrection Sunday, perhaps we could call it Resurrection Every Day. And we live with that perspective and that focus in our hearts and lives. So as we open up the scriptures this morning, I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, read this account of the resurrection together. So Lord, thank you for this precious time, this time in your presence. Lord, this time where we've been able to lift our voices and sing, proclaim who you are, Lord Jesus. Declare all that you have done, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, that we've been able to raise a voice in victory, that we've been able to partake of communion, Lord. And Lord, thank you that we can open up your word now. And I pray this morning, Lord, that your word would go forth and accomplish much for your glory. I pray that, Lord, for each of us, that we would be open, ready to receive, Lord God, ready to listen, ready to hear what you might have to say to us today. Even if we've heard this account and you know, these themes many times before, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way that you bring life, that you can bring a fresh touch even, even this morning, Lord, to our hearts. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that as your word goes forth, it would penetrate our hearts. Lord God, it would stir our hearts to, to really live for you, Lord Jesus, and to remember and grab hold of afresh today the significance, the power of the resurrection in our lives. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So verse 1 of John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So there you have this account of the resurrection. And let's just consider a moment. What the disciples, what Mary, the other women there would have been feeling. They've just witnessed Jesus being crucified, being buried, 
There was all sorts of probably emotions there, sadness, all sorts of questions running around in their mind, like, what's going on here? We thought that Jesus was the, was the one, the Messiah, the one who would come to take away the sins of the world. There perhaps was this feeling of defeat and despair. All these things going on, was it all for nothing? And yet, and yet, the morning of that third day broke. You see, at the heart of Resurrection Sunday, I kind of think of it a little bit like this. It's, it's like God's great exclamation mark, his, his bold type font, his underline, uppercase, highlighted, you know, proclaiming to us that there is an unshakable truth and foundation that we can build our lives on. That sin and death has no hold or power because of the victory that Jesus has accomplished and that we can have an endless living hope. That is at the heart of Resurrection Sunday and what it proclaims over our lives. And so for Mary and for the disciples, the resurrection changed everything. It turned things around from mourning and sorrow to joy. It took them from a place of fear and uncertainty, they were hiding away for fear, to a place of peace and assurance. It turned things around from doubt, we didn't quite get there, but we know the story of Thomas, doubting Thomas, unless I see with my, my eyes and put my fingers in the place where the scars were, I'll never believe. It took him from a place of doubt to a place of faith and assurance. And it took them from a place of defeat to victory and power and purpose. I'm sending you, Jesus says. And so for us, as we live with the resurrection front, and center, if we are able to grab hold of all that Jesus has accomplished, it's the same for us. Maybe we find ourselves in a place of mourning, of sorrow, of despair this morning. Remember that Jesus is alive. Remember that He is the one who turns our sorrow into joy. Perhaps this morning you're in a place of fear or uncertainty. Remember the risen Lord Jesus who comforted his disciples with these words, peace be with you. The very first thing that he said as he appeared to them, as he rose from the grave, was peace be with you. There's an invitation of peace this morning to know the peace that passes all understanding. If you're in a place of of doubt this morning, of disappointment, of wrestling with stuff, Look to Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus. He's not afraid of the wrestle. He's not afraid of us coming to Him, bringing our burdens. He is the one who's overcome. If you're in a place, you're feeling a place of despair or defeat this morning, remember Jesus is alive and He has overcome. And so I want to build on this a little bit this morning around the, 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 the significance, the power of the resurrection, how it changes everything for us as followers of Jesus. So would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul in this chapter of 1 Corinthians, he's making a, a passionate defense of the resurrection. There were, there were um, people in the, in the church there, Corinthian church, who opposed or didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And see, he, Paul, uh, wanted to set a few things straight. He was the sort of person, I, I think, who didn't need a second invitation to come and just bring a little bit of correction and focus. And so he writes in, in the first part of 1 Corinthians 15, 
He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you. Verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Then jump down to verse 12 with me. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Wow, there's some fairly weighty things in there for us to consider. But he starts off in this place. I'm reminding you of the gospel. Let me remind you what I delivered to you as of first importance, that Christ died according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised to life again in accordance with what the Scriptures have proclaimed. It was of first importance. And let me just say this as a little aside. It's not just for Easter, but... It is of first importance for us in our lives at all times. And it may be a message for another day, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. What is of first importance in our lives? What is of first importance? There's no better time than today, Resurrection Sunday, to ensure that the good news of Jesus, His finished work on the cross, the power and the significance of the resurrection are of first importance in our lives. Just a little aside thrown in there for no extra charge. But he goes on to talk about from that place. He says, well, if if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say, Scripture's proclaimed it, our eyes have seen it, so how are you saying this? Paul's saying, let me unpack this a little bit because there are some pretty weighty and significant ramifications if the resurrection didn't happen. You take away the foundation and the fabric of the Christian faith. It's what sets Christianity apart from all the other religions of the world, that that we serve a living God and a living Savior. He's saying, okay, so let's consider this. Preaching's in vain. Our faith is in vain. We can be accused of being false witnesses. We're still in our sins, that those who have passed away in Christ have have perished, and that we are the people most of all to be pitied if we only have hope for this life now. So it's a waste. It's nothing more than a good moral code to live by. But then the narrative changes. He says, but, but, there's always often good news in Scripture when we see that word but, because we know what comes after that is, is good. The narrative shifts. The perspective is made right again. He says, but, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. So this passionate defense of the resurrection that Paul makes, why is it so significant? Why does the resurrection change everything? Why should we live as though it is Resurrection Sunday each and every day? There's just a few things that I want to encourage us in this morning that we can hopefully grab hold of and take away today. First of all, the resurrection proclaims a truth that can't be shaken. Because of the resurrection, our faith is not in vain. It has a rock-solid foundation. There's rock-solid truth. Barclay in his his Bible commentary says, the resurrection is the final guarantee of the indestructibility of the truth. Christ's enemies had tried to destroy him, had tried to destroy the truth, but his truth prevailed and could not be quashed, could not be silenced, could not be buried. Perhaps you know people in your life, maybe those you work with, those in your family, who love to make bold claims, who like to make big calls or big promises, perhaps people who like to talk a good game. Maybe you know people like that. Um, Don't look at anyone too closely if you do in this room. But people, we can make bold claims, can't we? Big promises, only to not fulfill them or come through with what we've said we would do. It's only when the action matches up with the, the talk that we sit up and take notice, that there's credibility there. Through the resurrection, Jesus did what he said he would do. Through the resurrection, it proved that he was who he said that he was. He wasn't just a a good man. He wasn't just someone who had some good things to say, some good teaching. He wasn't just someone who did a few great things, a few miracles along the way. He was the Messiah. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. Many times... In the Gospels, Jesus referenced the fact that he would be betrayed, that he would be crucified, that on the third day he would rise again. There were times when uh, his enemies came to him saying, you know, show us a sign, show us a sign, testing him, provoking him. And he says, well, destroy this temple, I will raise it up again in three days, John chapter 2. Matthew 12, again, show us a sign. And he says, well, as Jonah was in the, the belly of the fish for Three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. We can read in other places when Jesus began to reveal his purpose, his mission to his disciples, that he must suffer, he'd be rejected, he would be crucified, and that he would raise again. And it's easy with the benefit of hindsight, with both the Old and New Testament in place, for us to be like, oh, we can see it, it's in accordance with the Scriptures. How did they miss it? Jesus clearly proclaimed it. But you know, for us today, it can be so easy at times to lose sight as well. We live in a world where truth, increasingly so, is relative. Where there are so many influences, so many voices telling us the right way to live or making big claims or talking a a good game, telling us what we should be building on, how we should be living. But you know, the resurrection proclaims there there is a truth that can't be shaken, that we can stake our lives on, that there is one who can be trusted. There is one who is true to his word. There is one who is faithful to accomplish it. There is one who is faithful to deliver on his promises. 
This morning, remember the unshakable truth that the resurrection proclaims, that we can build our lives upon it. The resurrection proclaims a truth, but the resurrection, resurrection proclaims a victory that has been accomplished and cannot be overcome. So I'm going to venture as far this morning to say that, that most of us as humans are competitive in some way. Am I right? Are people who likes to, to win here? A few of us do. I think there's something perhaps more pronounced in some than others, but for most of us, I would say that we, we, there's this competitive element in our hearts and lives, that we much prefer victory than defeat. I think that's fair to say. We much prefer victory than in that place of defeat. And for me, that's playing out at the moment with, with my young children, uh, you know, from time to time, if we watch some sport together, football or soccer or cricket or whatever, and they'll come and they'll say, oh, Dad, I'm going to go for the red team. Fantastic. And then they'll realize that the red team aren't winning. So they go, okay, actually, I'm going to go for the blue team now. They'd much prefer to be on the winning side. And for me personally, I, I don't like losing. It irks me. Perhaps don't show it often on the outside, but it's there. And, you know, uh, Andrew and I, we, we uh, partake of a game of squash each week. And uh, look, let me tell you, the competitive juices definitely flow on that squash court. But both of us, we both like, as we leave that squash court, we lay it all on the, on the line, we leave everything on the court, both of us like to walk in victory. That's just the way it is. And for us, we prefer to walk in victory in life. But you know, in Christ, through his resurrection, we can walk in his victory. Not one that we have to strive for, not one that we have to kind of work up. It's not one that, you know, it's not a victory that changes based on conditions on the day, that's based on how we're feeling at the time. It's not a victory that, that can be overturned or overcome based on a review or pending a review into it. No, it is a victory that was once for all and is sufficient in every way and that we can walk in as, as followers of Jesus. I love what Paul writes at the very end of chapter 15. He concludes with this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gives us the victory. And the word, the Greek word for victory there, nikos, refers to victory, but particularly the results of a conquest. And it always refers to the conquest accomplished for the believer by Christ. So because of this victory, we can live not, not for victory, trying to strive for it, but from victory, from a place of victory. And so he goes on to write at the end of this, verse 58, Therefore, because of this, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You know, our faith is not in vain. Living our lives for the glory of God, living our lives in a way that's worthy of the gospel is not in vain because we have a victorious, risen King. That's why the disciples, as we read in, in John 20, as we read the account earlier, could go from a place of fear, of doubt, of uncertainty, 
to a place of turning the world upside down, boldly proclaiming the gospel, laying their lives down for this cause of Christ. The cross and the resurrection have the final word, that he is victorious. In this world, Jesus says in John 16, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, he says. And as believers, I really believe that we're not called to to walk in a place of defeat, discouragement, despondence, despair. We're called to walk in his victory. But unfortunately, we are often far too quick or prone to move to that place or to live from that place of disappointment and defeat and discouragement. For Mary and the disciples, that first Resurrection Sunday, going to the tomb, there was a sense of despair and defeat, a sense of brokenness and loss. And you know, the enemy would love to keep us in that place. He will do whatever he can to keep us in that place of despair and discouragement. He will do whatever he can to get our eyes off this truth that Jesus is the one who is victorious and that the resurrection proclaims a victory in our lives. This victory that we can live in. And we sung this morning, shout unto God. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make his praises loud. And whenever we sing that song at church, I kind of feel it's a bit of a kick in the teeth type song to the enemy. I don't know if anyone else feels like that. But it's like it's this proclamation. Yeah, enemy, you are defeated. Jesus He has defeated the grave. We're going to lift our voice in victory and praise the one who is victorious. Praise the one who has overcome. You know, like I said earlier, shouting might not be our thing. But something happens, I believe, when we remind ourselves of the victory of Christ, that Christ's resurrection means for us. That the enemy has indeed been defeated. That we can boldly proclaim, we can boldly stand firm in the victory that Christ has won for us. And it's perhaps a little bit like this. I'm going to give an example. And I've shared before, for those who have been around a while, I've I've shared about my beloved dog before and uh, his exploits at home. But when he was was a lot younger, a a pup, kind of that, you know, up to one year of age where things are really, uh, can be out of control, full of energy, full of life. And um, we decided to get a dog trainer in just to help out with a few behavioral things to help him settle down and calm down a little bit because he's full of energy, he'd jump up and he'd do all sorts of things, bowl the kids over and we didn't want that. But one of the strategies that the dog trainer gave us was that when there was nonsense happening, when there was things that he was doing that he shouldn't be, we needed to, to stand tall, to stand firm, make yourself bigger so that you can show him who's boss, that... Um, we need to remind him that he's not the focus, he's not the center of attention, that we're the ones that, you know, have the, the power and the control there. And he also said to make this sound, kind of this, this deep guttural bah! sound, if he did mess up, if he did something he wasn't supposed to do, it was like a bah! to show him, to put him back in his place and to show him who's boss, basically. And the idea behind that is, you know, if he's in a pack that the alpha dog or the the mother, if he's being raised in his family environment, if he steps out of line, 
they'd growl or, you know, make that kind of sound to him. And so we kind of trialed this for a while. He's settled down a lot now. But there are times at the moment where we still need to, from time to time, get, bah, get down, get down, get back in your place. And I think at times in our lives of faith, and I'm not wanting in any way to, to belittle or oversimplify spiritual warfare, but sometimes perhaps we need to have a mentality in our lives of faith that when there's nonsense, when there's, you know, all sorts of stuff happening around us, when the enemy's trying to have a field day, when they're jumping up and, hey, what's going on here? Attacks of the enemy that we just say, hey, bah, get down. Jesus is alive. He is victorious. That when there's, you know, the lies that the enemy brings, oh, but, you know, remember your failures. Remember the lack. Remember the trials you've been experiencing. How can you, you ever live in anything but despair with all that's going along, along around you? He's jumping up. He's bringing lies and condemnation and all these things. And you're like, hey, what's going on here? Instead of just letting him do it, hey, bah, Jesus is alive. Jesus is victorious. He is at work. He is risen and alive. He is faithful to his word. He is the one who has conquered the power of sin and shame, that there is no condemnation because of Jesus, all these things. And that's a silly example, I know, but that's just how my mind works. That at times, it feels like we kind of just let this stuff happen. <clears throat> and the, the enemy can be having a field day. There is a time and a place, I believe, to remember the victory that we have in Christ and just say, bah, Jesus has conquered you. You are defeated. Bah, get down, get in your place. I'm walking in the victory that Christ has won for me. That's where I want to look. That's where I want to focus. That's what I want to grab hold of in my life. So this morning, if you're struggling with the lies that the enemy is bringing, Jesus wants to bring his victory. If you're struggling and wrestling in a place of just perhaps patterns of sin or, or um, perhaps a relational issue or perhaps you could fill in the blank, whatever else is going on in your life this morning, Jesus wants to bring his victory. There's nothing that his resurrection power can't change or overcome or bring life to this morning in your life. Because the resurrection proclaims a victory that has been won and that cannot be overcome. Finally, this morning, the resurrection proclaims a hope that is endless and will never fade. One of my favorite verses, there's too many to name, but Romans 15, 13 talks about how by the power of the Holy Spirit we can abound in hope. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to abound in hope. I want to live my life that way. Abounding in hope. In Christ, we have a living hope. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. This is what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He goes on, it's so good, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. In this you rejoice. He goes on, that your faith can be proved genuine and can result in praise and honor and glory to God. He has caused us to be born into, again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Through this resurrection, we have 
a hope that is alive, a hope that's not dead or dormant, seasonal and hibernates in the winter or anything like that. It is a hope that is alive, that is at work, that is for this life now and, of course, a hope for eternity. In addition to this, we have an inheritance that's awaiting for us. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we are being guarded by his power through faith. We can rejoice even in trials that our faith can be proved genuine and may result in praise and honor and glory to God. This is the hope that we have available to us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Just get the worship team to come up if we can. The resurrection proclaims a hope that is endless and that will never fade. He's promised that he will be with us always. That he would send us the helper. The Holy Spirit. This morning you might be in a place needing fresh hope. Perhaps it's just in yourself. Perhaps it's for a particular situation. The restoration of a relationship. The restoration of dreams or the call of God that seems to be lying dormant. Let me remind you and encourage you this morning that the resurrection proclaims a hope over us that is endless and will never fade. So on this Resurrection Sunday, 2021, we remember that He is risen indeed. But let these be more than just words that we recite. May we grab hold of the significance of the resurrection afresh in our lives. The truth that it proclaims and that we can build our lives upon. The victory that was accomplished and that we can now walk in. And the hope that it won for us that is endless and will never fade. Would you stand this morning as we bring our time together to a close? So we might just uh, just finish with a song, song of praise, and uh, after that, there's opportunity to receive prayer this morning. And so as the prayer team come forward, just during the song that we sing, I'd love to just encourage you and invite you if there are things in your life, anything of course that you need prayer for, but particularly related to these things that we've opened up and looked at this morning around the victory that Christ has won if you feel you're in a place of defeat or despair or discouragement this morning would you come forward and receive prayer that reminder that Christ is victorious there's a, a need for fresh hope this morning come and receive prayer today and allow the hope that Jesus brings to rise up afresh in your heart today. So Lord, thank you for this time together. I want to thank you, Lord, for the finished work of the cross, and the power, the significance of the resurrection. 
thank you, Lord, that we can walk in newness of life. Because you died and you rose again, Jesus. And I pray that for us here today, each and every person, God, that we would walk, live in your victory. That we would live our lives abounding in hope. And that, Lord, we would build upon your truth, this unshakable foundation that we have in you. Lord, I pray this morning, God, that where there is just any heaviness, a spirit of heaviness, I just pray that that would be lifted off in the name of Jesus. Instead of heaviness, Lord, would be just those garments of praise, that sense of joy and life that you bring. Pray that as we go from here this day, that we would go with gratitude in our hearts, Lord. We would go aware of your presence, alive in you, and full of faith and expectancy for the week ahead, knowing that you're with us, knowing that you have overcome. And Lord, we just say that we love you, we honor you, we praise your great and glorious name. Amen. Just one more thing when prayer time happens. Just that sense of, if you feel that spirit of heaviness, there's a heaviness, there's a even sense of depression or whatever it is hanging over you this morning. Believe that the Lord wants to just uh, work and bring freedom and bring joy. So if that's you, I'd invite you to come forward for prayer as well. God bless you this week. It's so good to just share our uh, time together today. Just pray that you would know God's presence, His hope, and His goodness as you go from here. Let's worship together and uh, finish our time together this morning.